Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, what's up? Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. We were just turning the calendar to the month of January. Now we are beyond the halfway point in the month of January. It just never slows down. We are glad, as always, to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sportsbook at the Timeout Lounge. A sportsbook at Timeout Lounge inside the Golden Moon Casino. You can visit them for more information online at pearlriverresort.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, we'd love for you to join us on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395 again 601-879-4395 go with the home team uh, i'm sorry ceasefire mississippi-based company i was thinking ahead and my mouth was either not it was moving faster than my brain that's what happened there uh if you've got business internet needs, let Ceasefire help. They've got gigabit fiber internet that will help your business run its best. For more information, log on to ceasefire.com slash business. Good as always to be with you. We had an NFL playoff game last night that we thought had a chance to be an epic matchup. It was anything but There was some validation last night. There was also some information. The validation came on the Cowboys' side. Dak Prescott was phenomenal in that game last night. What accounted for five touchdowns, four through the air, one on the ground, threw for a bunch of yards, incredibly efficient. Running game was good for the Cowboys. He was just great. And we'll talk more about what that means. Is that legacy-defining? Or was it just a must-win game that allows him to build toward a legacy? It's that. It, we, there, there's people chest-thumping, uh, one guy in particular taking a shot at you on the text line. Wild-card games should be the lowest of floors for the started, starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. It's Losing that, It's it's one of those things that happens in sports sometimes where there are games that you play where you can only lose. You don't really win anything. It's a bad example, but hear me out. The the North Alabama game for Ole Miss basketball earlier. Winning that game mm. gives you nothing. Losing that game cost... I mean, that was the catalyst possibly for, for losing a job. 
It was a little bit more nuanced than that, but you get my point. Winning that game gave them nothing. Losing that game destroyed a lot. Losing last night would have destroyed a lot for Dak Prescott. Winning, though, is not, well, first ballot Hall of Famer, all good. Everything, contract, justified, everything, done. Dak is the best. No, it's losing that game would have created the negativity. Winning that game has now set up for, hey, buddy, if he goes to San Francisco and wins against that defense and that environment, like you said, building to that career-defining moment. But last night was it was a heck of a start. I mean, domination on the yeah. road last night. Complete domination was awesome. Hey, Dad, Dak was 25 of 33 for 305 with four touchdowns and a rushing touchdown as well. I mean, he was he was almost perfect last night. He was the reason they won. I mean, they played great defense, but Zach or Dak uh, Prescott is the reason the Cowboys won that game. And, and, and you know, you said legacy defining, probably not that, but it could have gone the other way. Yes, it would have been legacy defining had he had he lost. And it could have been legacy destroying. Yeah, and instead he went on to deliver one of his best games as a pro, and uh, has put his team in in good position uh, for the rest of the way. Borky uh, mentioned on the ceasefire text line, in a mixture of caps and lowercase, maybe Dallas has a DAC problem. Richard Cross, 116.23. Except for the fact that that's not actually what I said (laughs) yesterday. What what I said, and, and I think it was reasonable, was if the Cowboys don't win this game, there will be conversations... Many of those conversations would center around the idea of Mike McCarthy needing to go. And the question that I wondered if would be asked is, is it McCarthy or or is it Dak? Dak answered those questions last night. And now he's got a chance to validate it in a huge game on the road, in the divisional round, against a really good San Francisco 49ers defense this week. Yeah, last night's rating probably not going to end up being as good as we thought because it was an early dominating blowout. Still going to be phenomenal, but not as good as it could have been had it been a close game. Next Sunday night is going to be one of those. I mean, you get the West Coast looped into America's team on Sunday night. Maybe Al Michaels won't fall asleep during the broadcast. That would be nice, but... I mean, the the stage is set, right? This is this is exactly what <laughs> dreams are made of. That's very cheesy, but th- this is what Dak Prescott, when he was young, I imagine, was thinking about this exact moment. You know, everything builds up to this point on the road, hostile environment, Sunday night, tens of millions uh, of people at home watching you, and you got the star on your helmet and the ball in your hand. I mean, th- this is. It's it's the kind of goosebump stuff that you sometimes know, I kind of stop appreciating in sports. You know what I mean? There's only one thing that I would have changed about Dallas last night. I really, really, really like it when they wear the blue jerseys. But they needed the silver pants with the blue jerseys. If they'd worn the silver pants with those blue jerseys, oh, then you're then you're golden. The only time I think that Dallas can get away with wearing white pants is when they wear the white helmets. And that's usually what the Thanksgiving Day uniform, they'll go white helmets, blue jerseys, white pants. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. That's the the only qualm that I had with Dallas. All right, so I said there were two things last night. We got validation, to some degree, and we got information. 
What's the information that we got? The information that we got is that it's time for Tom Brady to do something besides play football in the NFL. Oh, Richard, that's a hot take. No, I'm not trying to be hot takey. It's not. I, I promise I'm not. But that's not what that is. He's 45 years old. He looks physically different than he has ever looked. 35 of 66 for 351 yards. That's an average of 5.3 yards per attempt. Two touchdowns, one interception, sacked twice, and how many times did he just throw it into the dirt? Now, he avoided some sacks and avoided some negative yardage plays from throwing it away. I I, I said to Borky earlier today when we were talking that I think you can count on one hand the number of times that Tom Brady has looked like him old self his old self this year. I don't I didn't watch all of the Bucks games. Against the Saints, especially in that second half comeback, he looked like Captain Tom Brady. Like the guy that, that has still got it. I thought on the touchdown drive for Tampa Bay last night where they, they were down, what, 27 to nothing when he led the touchdown drive in the third quarter, it was like, ooh, ooh. That was three throws in a row that looked like vintage Tom Brady. He either can't do it or isn't interested in doing it for an entire game. And the idea that he's not interested in looking elite the way he has for almost his entire career seems silly. And so it makes me wonder if he can't. They scored in 17 games, well, 18 games with the the loss last night. They scored 30 points or more twice. Panthers, second to last week of the season, scored 30 points in their win. And in a 10-point loss way back in the early part of the season, they lost again by 10 while scoring 31 points. And, and Tom Brady this year still threw for 4,700 yards and 25 touchdowns. That was going into last night's game. So if you want to include playoff numbers, which don't count in stats, he's just shy of 5,000 yards for the year with 27 touchdown passes and 10 interceptions. Yeah. Those aren't bad numbers, and I'm sure there is an opportunity if Tom Brady wants to play somewhere, be it with the Bucks or somebody else next year, for him to play. Somebody will take him, I think, but, man. Do you it, want him at this point? No. I wouldn't. Uh, it's it's hard because never count out touchdown Tom and stuff like that, but he will be 46 years old when he takes the first snap of the first game next season, wherever that may be. If you're a, if you're a Raiders fan and you let Derek Carr go and make your jokes about Derek Carr, his defenses have been among, if not the worst, in the NFL every single year he's been a starter. You, you let him go when he's still in his prime and still got good years left to get 46-year-old Tom Brady to be your franchise fix? Is that really something that you get excited about at this point in his career? Five years ago? Heck yeah, sign me up. Now? Go draft one. Hey, Dad, do you want Tom Brady to play quarterback for the Saints next year? I don't think so, no. I don't think so. Three years ago? Sure. Now, now. Yeah. Robin Tupelo says Brady has to have an elite offensive line, which is hard to come by. That's what, I don't disagree with that. 
needs an elite offensive line and an elite running game. And he probably needs Gronk. And I think that ship has sailed. The sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV on this Tuesday afternoon. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Tom Hart joins us from ESPN and the SEC Network. Always kind to spend a few minutes with us. He is in Starkville, Mississippi today. Got hoops coming up tonight at 6 on ESPN2, number 9 Tennessee in Starkville to take on Mississippi State. Tom, what's up? What's up, Richard? How we doing? Good, man. Appreciate uh, a few minutes of your time. Before we talk specifically about this game tonight, bigger picture, SEC basketball 22-23 season, kind of a weird year so far. Oh, yeah. It's um, chaotic. Um, in many ways, I mean, if you compare the preseason poll to where teams stand now, it's topsy-turvy and for a lot of different reasons. I think generally speaking, and, and the SEC isn't immune to this, it impacts other conferences as well, but with roster turnover, it can be really hard to, uh, even for the experts, to predict who's going to end up where. And what makes it more difficult is, you know, the rash of mid-major players that come to the SEC to play these days um, with the transfer portal opening, and and they can be like a scratch-off lottery ticket. I mean, you might win a bunch of money, and you might just be throwing them right in the trash afterwards. You never know. So you've got teams that are I – mean, everybody has their own reasons for their success or failure so far, but I could argue that you know Alabama and Tennessee are really the only two, maybe South Carolina on the bottom end, who have met their expectations to this point this season. Otherwise, it's just been a hodgepodge, and it really depends on not only what your schedule looks like and therefore who you play, but when you play them. Um, because, listen, I wouldn't want to be playing Kentucky right now. It looks like they've figured things out. Um, and in the same breath, you know, Arkansas without Nick Smith is a totally different team. So there's two examples of, well, when did you play them and uh, where did you play them? All right, so you say you think maybe Kentucky has figured things out, but that's based on one game? I mean, they play a physical, hard-fought game, and they went on the road in Knoxville against the top-five team on Saturday. But the time before them that we saw that, they got beat by South Carolina, who lost by 40-something to Texas A&M this week. So is one game enough of a sample for you to believe that Kentucky and John Calipari figured it out? Well, yeah, never trailed. Uh, sorry, never led against South Carolina. I mean, that was a, that was yeah. the most disappointing loss for them all season. I think they figured out the lineup situation, and and what it boils down to is, and it's, I think this. What I'm going to say next it can be really hard. I think for for those of us who don't have to coach young men and young women, it's it's hard for us to put ourselves in a coach's shoes because when we make lineup changes. Um, you know, to our fantasy football team, it's just a name on the computer screen, and it's a drop-down menu, and he's starting or sitting, and that's it. We don't have to deal with the repercussions. John Calipari has a point guard in Xavier Wheeler who has led the SEC in assists with seven-plus each of the last few years, including his 
time at Georgia, uh, who ends up with the ball in his hands a lot of times, who's a veteran, who's a strong-willed player and a presence in his locker room, the numbers will tell you that they are a much better team without him on the floor and with Cason Wallace running the point, putting a pair of shooters out there in Reeves and Frederick to flank him, and then going athletic at the four with Toppin and the player of the year, Oscar Sheboy, at the five. Um, Sabir didn't play against Tennessee. They said it was injury-related, and he, he didn't see the floor. If it, if it was injury-related, it was the easiest coaching decision ever made, but now they have to figure out kind of how to walk that line, putting their yeah. best five on the floor without dealing with the drama that comes from sitting a veteran player. And he's still going to be a key part of their team. He's going to have to play minutes. Case and Wallace has had back spasm issues throughout the, the course of the season. But, yeah, I think they figured it out in the sense that they have found their most efficient lineup, and it's a it's not just um, you know a couple percentage points better than the other five or whatever other combination you throw out there. It's significantly better, and it changes the style in which they play by having um, have really having three shooters on the floor instead of basically one and a half with Wheeler. So let's talk about Mississippi State. That's who you've got tonight. Bulldogs hosting Tennessee, second time they've played Tennessee this year. Uh, not much of a game the first time around. I mean, Tennessee just absolutely boat raced Mississippi State in Knoxville the first time they played, and what was it, 16 to nothing to start the game, something like that. So yeah. when you look at Mississippi State, they get off to the fast start, they climb into the top 25, first-year head coach, a lot of excitement, really good defensively, intense defensively. But you look at their one and four mark in the SEC, and you know you, you you either win games or you lose games. Two of those games, if they just shoot free throws, like I don't know, you could. They've got two more SEC wins, and if they hit maybe three of eighteen threes instead of going zero of eighteen from behind the arc against Auburn, could have won that game as well. What is Mississippi State right now in your mind? They're exactly what you described. I mean, they're not going to be a great shooting team. They're really, if you compare them, they're Tennessee light. I mean, a lot of the um, trends are very similar in terms of being a lockdown defense. Um, Tennessee's number one in the country in in adjusted efficiency. State's seventh in the country. Um, They both turn the opponents over about 25% of the time. That's top ten in the country. Um, uh, they both have a high steal percentage. They're very active defensively. They just, and you can say the same thing about Tennessee, um, at times they have a hard time making shots. Now, yeah. when I talked to Jans, you know, a couple weeks ago before that Tennessee game, and they were coming off of the loss not just to Alabama but also to Drake, and he said, I, I didn't realize how heavy our legs were and, and how much we'd been pushing the guys because I'm not used to that. I, teams certainly get tired in February, but my team was tired in December. And so um, we had to make some adjustments and back off a little bit and um, try to keep try to keep guys fresh. And then they're trying to win games in the, tennis, in the SEC against the likes of Alabama and Tennessee, who are the top two teams in the league. And your point about shooting is absolutely correct. They went 7 of 22 from the free throw line against Georgia, that's minus 18 in the free throw column in a game that they lost by eight. So yeah, just just be average or even below average, and and you win those games. So I know it's frustrating for them, um, but they're 
still an elite defensive team. And the same defense which led them to hold Utah to 49 points and Marquette to 55 and Minnesota to 51. Like, that is really, really good. And the tempo with, the tempo with which Jans plays means they're going to play low-scoring games. Um, they're, that's a fine line and a very thin margin from them. It's, like you said, it's make a few shots and your season looks totally different. So in that regard, when they get the South Carolinas of the world and they get Ole Miss again and they get, I actually get South Carolina twice and Bandy, you make those shots, you win those games and now you're a tournament team. Um, the difference will come against the TCUs and the Arkansas and Kentuckys. Can you make enough shots and get enough stops to win those games and make it back to the tournament? So still kind of getting, uh, we in Mississippi still kind of getting to know Chris Jans, first-year head coach. I've got a minute and a half or so left. Uh, you've visited with him a couple of times. What, what do you make of Chris Jans? Uh, he's a blue-collar dude. Like, he fits Mississippi State. He is going to get his guys to outwork the other team. They're going to grind. Um, they may not be the most polished team in college basketball, but that's kind of his style. I mean, he was at New Mexico State. They had some huge wins there um, as an assistant at Wichita State where they had great talent, and he played a key role in getting that talent to come to the roundhouse, to get to Wichita. Um, it's a guy who knows how to win in college basketball, and I think that you look at you know roster makeup, is he's going to have a better roster in years two, three, and four than he has in, in year one. So he's never going to be an up-and-down co- coach. He hasn't been the type of guy who wants to play games in the 80s and 90s. So this kind of blue-collar approach is what they're going to have going forward. They just need to get some shot makers in there. You can probably imagine that we've had a hard time locking in on basketball here. Uh, you know, for a lot of reasons, the fact that uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss have not been uh, very good so far. Uh, we just talk more yep. like hardcore basketball than we have, I think, this calendar year. Uh, so thanks. Thanks for, for helping us dive in a little bit and get serious about hoops. Uh, 6 o'clock tonight, ESPN2, Starkville, Humphrey Coliseum, Tom uh, Dane tonight, you and Dane? Yep, me and Dane. You, uh, are you going to figure out a way to make Dane uncomfortable at some point during the broadcast? Probably twice. Probably twice. And by the way, next time we can talk about uh, Lane's defensive coordinator decision-making and what that does for the rest of the league, specifically Tuscaloosa, because that is a juicy, juicy story you got on your hands. Well, I mean, I don't know what you've got going on in 10 minutes, but we could do it next. Something tells me you've got a basketball <laughs> game you got to get ready to maybe uh, for. Maybe we ought to uh, do that next time. You got it. Thanks, bud. All right, thanks, dude. Tom Hart from uh, ESPN, the SEC Network. He is on the call tonight in Starkville, Tennessee, and Mississippi State 6 on ESPN 2. More coming up with you. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi.
right, Brian. Hey, Dad. This is uh, one of those times where I need to uh, dig into your wealth of knowledge to help me learn about something which I do not currently know. Um, I'll do what I can. By the way, there is a logo that I'm looking at that reminds me of uh, like a... uh, uh, what's the, the a uranium warning logo? The front page of ESPN tells me that there is a soccer match that's going on between Liverpool and the Wolverhampton Wanderers, also known as the Wolves, and their logo yeah. it, it looks like a like a nuclear enrichment warning logo. That's a okay, okay. Uh, English FA Cup. We have established the fact yeah. that I have no way of keeping up with all of the different things that are happening. You, right. You've educated me to some degree on the Champions League. I obviously know about the World Cup. EPL is where the, the top teams in Europe play each other. That's like the normal season, the, the English Premier League. Mm-hmm. And then in other countries you have those like La Liga in Spain and the Bundesliga in Germany and whatever else that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, MLS in the United States, etc. What is the FA Cup? The FA Cup is an in-season tournament that every team in England, no matter where they are in the football pyramid, are 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 part of. It starts the the earliest rounds are like the teams are basically you're just guys playing for fun, and it works all the way up into the Premier League. And, and the fun of it is a lot of times those early matchups when they start getting the Premier League teams in, you'll see a team like Liverpool or Chelsea or, or Man City playing a team from, like, League Two. It would be like if there was an MLB tournament like this, if the, the Yankees were to play a single-A team at Yankee Stadium. And that, that, would, be, that, you know, that would be cool, right? a trophy. That counted for a trophy, yeah. So by the, by the time we get to the end, it'll probably be something like Manchester City versus Arsenal or something like that. But for now... You still have some of those fun lower versus higher level matchups. All right, so and sometimes there's upsets. There are upsets that happen every year. So you guys remember we visited with Ian Banner? Uh, it was a couple of years ago, right? We were we were talking soccer Ian, with yes, him. Of course, uh, Ian and I worked together on Ole Miss women's soccer broadcast for the SEC Network Plus in in years past, and um, so Ian played soccer professionally in in England. So the EPL is the equivalent of level one, right? Major League Baseball. And it goes all the way down to level 10. So you go beyond just minor leagues. You get into, like, grown men club teams in small towns. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I I was looking at, like, the the breakdown of the FA Cup, and when they get into the the preliminary rounds at the very beginning in the qualifying competition – there were 416 great teams. Some great names in there, too. Like some of those little towns in England that just have, you know, that's all they have is their little club team. And yeah. then you get into the big boys. Okay. So this is just another one of those tournaments so that is. happens that means a lot to people that has nothing to do with the uh, the big. Radioactive. That's the word that I was looking for. Uh, a radioactive label is what the uh, Wolves logo looks like to me i could see that yeah but uh anyway okay i just uh i feel like i learned something today if i ask the question at the end of the show what did we learn today i'm going to say that i learned what the fa cup is i also learned that brian's team 
Brian Haydad's team, Chelsea's. Not very good. You didn't need to learn that. I could have just told you. Meanwhile. Not playing well right there. The old Arsenal Cannons are getting her done. They really and, are. Uh, hey. Playing well. How big? How big is Saturday when Arsenal and Manchester United meet? Because Manchester United is on an absolute heater right now. It's true. That's. I mean, Arsenal got the big win in the North London Derby on on Sunday against Tottenham. Absolutely destroyed them. And uh, yeah, now a big game with United, who, like you said, just beat City last weekend in the Manchester Derby. So yeah, both yeah. teams coming off of big rivalry weekend wins. Yeah, that's uh, that. That's what, what do you think a ticket will cost to go to that? <sighs> Arsenal, you know, Arsenal, and Man U. It's at Man U, so it's at uh, uh, Old Trafford, right? That's correct. That's the name of the stadium. Hey, Borky, Let's I'm see. getting there. I'm slowly piecing it together over time. Uh, Everything you guys just said is more interesting than basketball here right now. So I'll give you that. Although it appears this week's game, this week's game is at this game you're talking about is in is in Arsenal. It's in London. It's at the Emirates. Oh, did they get that wrong? Did they list so, the home team first in uh, in English soccer instead of the visiting team first? That doesn't sometimes, matter. yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I so still can't it looks believe like the cheapest ticket I can find is $331. How much? $331. Okay. It's probably not the best seat in That's the sit in No, you're sitting in the uh Where are you sitting? Goodness gracious. In the upper deck in the corner. Yeah. You're you're up you're up top, yeah, in the corner. All right. I, I can't believe you guys dedicated 7 minutes to that. When we had the greatest sports parent Karen drama of all time. And I've wanted to talk about it since it happened. No time. But we can do this garbage for seven minutes. It's crazy to me. Hi. What are you calling garbage? We had a soccer story that would have even... The, the person that hates the sport the most out there would have gotten at least a kick... Out of that story, oh, and we oh. ignored it. Well, Borky, we don't have to ignore it anymore. Well, I don't know if we have time, but here's a summary. So, you, you all of you out there oh, listening okay, have dealt at some point in your life with a ridiculous youth sports mom. We'll call them soccer moms, uh, the over the top, whatever. You, we've all seen them and heard them and dealt with them. They're terrible. None worse than this. So, we just had the World Cup, right? made the uh, knockout stage loss to the Netherlands. Greg Berhalter is our coach. And a guy named Gio Reyna, 19-year-old, plays in the Bundesliga for Dortmund, uh, is a future phenom, but he's young, as you can imagine, uh, but has an incredibly high upside. He didn't really play in the World Cup. Not very much, anyway. He, he got it in the Netherlands game, but towards the end, when the game was kind of over... Didn't play much, and it caused people to wonder, you know, why? Is he hurt? What's the deal? Does he and Berhalter just not like each other? What's going on? Keep in mind that Berhalter and Gio Reyna's father go back decades. They grew up together. They played youth soccer together. They played international soccer together. 
Claudio Reyna is one of the greatest in American soccer history. He's a legend. And his wife also played for the national team, right? And his wife and Berhalter's wife also have been friends for decades, close friends. Berhalter and Gio have known each other since Gio was born, okay? Didn't play. Couple weeks after the World Cup, it leaks that that Gio had a bad attitude. Was told early in camp that right now Josh Sargent has played better than you. We're going to start him. He's going to play, and that that's going to be your role in this tournament. And Gio didn't take that very well. Had a really bad attitude. Wasn't working hard in training, and they had to have a team meeting basically to say, "Lose your attitude, or putting you on an airplane and you're going home." And he shaped up, and everything was fine after that. When that story leaked, though, when it got out that that happened, and that's why Gio didn't play. Yeah, he was mad. His parents separately tried to blackmail the coach for not playing their kid. (laughs) Claudio, the dad, during the World Cup, was calling and harassing people that work for USA Soccer, saying, I've got information on the coach that will bring him down, basically, trying to blackmail him into playing his son. After the World Cup, after that story comes out, his mom decides to give specific details of the story. Here's the story. 30 years ago, 31 years ago, in 1991, before I was born, Greg Berhalter and his now wife of 25 years, the mother of his four children, when they were 18, got drunk in a bar, got in an argument at that bar, and outside of the bar, in a very soccer player fashion, he kicked her in the legs, kicked her. That was it. He seeked counseling for that. They ended up continuing to date after a period of time, got married, been married for 25 years and have four kids. That was the blackmail. And they tried to blackmail the coach on that to force him to play their kid in the World Cup. (laughs) They sat on it for 30 years. Best friends, the whole family, for decades. 30 years. And they tried to blackmail him into playing their kid in the World Cup. Blood is thicker than water, I guess. And he might lose his job over it. Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. What happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. you guys have noticed this or not I think you have there are a few things in life that bring the internet sports world together like a program that didn't win a championship posting a picture of a ring signifying a a good season and my oh my did the Arkansas baseball Twitter account dive into that cesspool today they Tweeted, earned, not given. 
with a ring emoji and then a video, a short video, just a clip of their College World Series rings from last year. Omaha's on the side, the College World Series logo, big old hog head in the middle of a field of small diamonds with College World Series around the top of the ring. There were a gazillion responses to that tweet. Very few of them in support of job well done, Razorbacks. Never seen Mississippi State and Ole Miss fans more united than I did in the replies of that tweet. There there were lots of responses. The one that stood out to me was the one that just said, here, I fixed it for you, given, not earned. After their initial tweet was earned and not given. Somebody was like... No, actually, you 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 literally gave yourself rings for. Uh, this is one of those things that that people get hot and bothered about. I don't know that I really. I mean, it's a ring to commemorate a team that earned a trip to the College World Series. I think that's probably deserving of a ring. I just am not entirely sure why programs feel the need to. You know what the reaction is going to be when you put that out publicly. Why don't you just do your rings and give them to your players and move on? What? Why is why is there a social media splash for the non-championship ring gifting? Any, any thoughts? It's 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 the phrasing there. Like you want to give your guys rings, nobody cares. But when you say earn, not give it, nah. I mean, you, I guess you got a trip to Omaha. That that is a, a a great achievement. You're one of the last eight teams standing, but I mean, come on. Especially when somebody else in your conference has won the national title, but somebody else in your division has won the national title the last two seasons. Yeah, rings. It's very simple. Rings are for championships. Were you the last team standing? No, don't get rings. Give them nice watches or something. Rings are for championships. Last team standing, nobody else, you get the ring. Otherwise, it's a joke and you should be mocked for it. Their rings didn't say champions. They just said College World Series on them. That's what rings are for. Rings are for champions. That's it. It's deceptive. I mean, what kind? And Dave Van Horn, of all people, the guy that talks about those teams don't do it the right way, and we do it the right way, and we don't bat flip. What kind of embarrassing everybody gets a participation trophy stuff is this, Dave? I mean, come on, man. This isn't doing it the right way. This is teaching a generation of impressionable young men that they don't have to win to be champions. That's how you create snowflakes, Dave. I I am making an assumption here. <laughs> I'm assuming that in the years that Mississippi State went to the College World Series but didn't win at all, that they probably got College World Series rings. I'm guessing that Ole Miss got College sure World Series did, yeah. rings in 2014. If they did, they shouldn't I have. know Vic Schaefer had a couple of, of big rings of national runner-up from the two uh, games that they lost. No. And some people just like rings. Like, I'm not a ring guy. I, I wear my wedding ring, and that, that that's it in terms of jewelry. That's it. If Ole Miss had given you a national title ring, you'd wear that. No, I wouldn't. I you would wouldn't not. wear it out no. every now and then? Wait, I would, you didn't I, get I one you wear, wear it the to, broadcast. You'd wear team. it to every remote you and I were at. 
Probably. You you would you would you would uh, I don't believe I, you. I, I they, they didn't give you one. No, I did like ten or fifteen games. I don't. Get, that's enough. All right, I, I know people in that department listen to this from time to time. Get Richard Cross a ring. David Kellum deserved a ring. Yes, Rich, absolutely. Richard Cross didn't deserve a ring for that. I mean, I mean, if if we're, if we're being totally honest, nobody but the players and the coaches deserved a ring for them winning. But I don't still. know, man. After forty five years on the radio, David Kellum deserved a national championship ring for uh, for baseball. So when in what year was your first Ole Miss game you called on television or radio? 1999. Yeah. It's a long time. No, 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 no. That's not right. That's not right. 2000. 2000. Mike Bianco's first year. So 22 years. I think you, I think you deserve You and him one. building that program. You're, you're being humble right now, and, and that's that's re- very respectable. And well, thanks. I, and I, I wouldn't like say, like, oh, give me a ring. I didn't get one. But I'm advocating on your behalf. You need one to put in your office somewhere in a nice little display case. And, and that's exactly where it would go. So, hey, Dad says I would wear it. I, w- I would never, uh, not one time ever would I wear that ring. But I would put it in its box displayed on a shelf in my office. So, this is me. And Borky, I appreciate you uh, advocating on my behalf. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. o'clock hour of Sports Talk Mississippi. Thank you for being with us. Just a, uh, a programming note, a bit of a heads up. Uh, we're going to lose many of you at the uh, end of this hour. At 5 o'clock, the broadcast for Ole Miss and South Carolina basketball will begin. That one tips off at 5.30 tonight on SEC Network. Both Ole Miss and South Carolina 8 and 9 on the season. Mississippi State and Tennessee start at 6 o'clock on ESPN2, and so we will lose more of you at uh, at 5.30 this afternoon as the pregame show for Mississippi State basketball begins. Those are the uh, first two games tonight in the SEC. 7.30, Alabama is at Vanderbilt. That's on the SEC Network. Um, Vandy scored well against Arkansas, especially in the sec- second half. We talked about that yesterday. I think he had 63 in the second half of that game. There's been a lot on Alabama for the last couple of days. I will be interested to see how the Crimson Tide's basketball team responds. Um, there was somewhat of an update on that story uh, involving Darius Miles, the former Alabama basketball player, now former Alabama basketball player that was charged with capital murder. Um Investigators wrote in a court document that Darius Miles admitted to providing the handgun immediately before the shooting. Another man is accused by police of firing the gun and killing a young woman near the university's campus. Both of them have been charged with capital murder, um, both Darius Miles and Michael Lynn Davis. Um, So, 
I only bring that up today to say I don't know how Alabama is going to come out. I mean, they're they're off to a five and zero start in league play. They're fifteen and two overall. They're number four in the country. But there's been a lot on Alabama for the uh, for the last couple of days. And then Georgia Kentucky is tonight at eight o'clock on ESPN. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us as always. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort, home of Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18 hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. They've got some renovations that are happening at the clubhouse at Dancing Rabbit. It will be uh, new and better than ever when they reopen in early April, mid March, early April, I think is the uh, target date for the end of that construction project. Looking forward to seeing the renovations to the clubhouse when uh, when we are there uh, in the uh, the near future. Check them out online, PearlRiverResort.com, or book your tea time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. D1 Baseball has released its preseason top 25, and I don't think it is a surprise to anyone that the preseason number one team is LSU. That's a baseball team that got good, got much, much better during the offseason. They're like the Yankees, but with Boudin. Yeah, that's uh, okay. It is, a um, on paper, a very, very good roster. You got hate that giggling. You got hate that giggling. Funny. <laughs> so LSU, who uh, finished last year ranked 25th and went 40 and 22 last year, is the preseason number one team. And as an aside, it's the first time that LSU is the preseason number one in D1 baseball's rankings. This is the ninth year of the D1 baseball preseason top 25. LSU's been never uh, never been number one in the uh, in the preseason. Number two, Tennessee. Borky, I was just going to pause for you to make whatever Tennessee joke you were going to make, and then oh, I was going to pick no, it up. I'm really looking forward to them losing in another Super Regional, though. I cannot wait. Tennessee finished ninth in the rankings a year ago, which means they were the uh, the top-ranked team not to get to Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> well, honest huh. question, though. Serious question. Mm-hmm. Tony Vitale is obviously a really good baseball coach, right? I mean, that, that's well established. He, he can coach ball. He, he understands it. He knows it. But doesn't baseball require somebody with a temperament that is not his to be successful and sustained and have sustained success? Because baseball is not an intensity sport. Baseball is not a get in your face. and That's football. It, it seems like that attitude and approach might be good for for a little while, but when you've got to grind through sixty games and it's it's a sport where it's more of a chess match than it is a chest bump, you know what I mean? I, I, I want I've wondered that if that temperament is good but possibly detrimental to the long term success of his team. Maybe, but. They were fifty-seven and seven before they lost those two games to Notre Dame. They were, and you can't. And they were really good. I can't quantify stuff like this. I so don't like saying it, but I mean, Notre Dame was clearly the more mature team. 
They were clearly more equipped mentally to get through that. Tennessee veteran. was a veteran. Veteran. Tennessee emotionally was all over the place. They were cussing at umpires. They were getting thrown out of games. I mean, it, it feels like in baseball, if you're going to win in those spots, don't you have to be more grounded than that? That was the difference know. in the game. Notre Dame wasn't more talented than Tennessee. They were more mature. Yeah, and they also raked that weekend. They did. I mean, they really, really swung it, and they pitched it well. And it was really the only time all season a year ago that anybody hit Tennessee hard. I mean, their pitching was stupid good last year. And it's going to be again this season. Preseason number three is Stanford. Went to the College World Series last year. Preseason number four, Ole Miss. They win the national title last year. Finished the season 42-23. and 23. Uh, and, and maybe that just, you know, among all of the other things, underscores what getting hot at the right time means. Ole Miss won 15 fewer baseball games than Tennessee won last year. Ole Miss got a trophy. Tennessee did not, unless they got super regional rings. I, I don't know. I haven't seen a picture of that on social media. It's possible. Um, what about Ole Miss at number four? To, to me, this is a preseason respect ranking for what they accomplished a year ago. I think this is going to be a good Ole Miss baseball team, but it's not a team without questions going into the year. Dylan DeLucia is is gone, who mattered so much down the stretch. You are without Josh Mallett because of Tommy John surgery during the offseason. Tim Elko, the emotional leader and three-time captain, not to mention really good baseball player. His eligibility was up. Justin Bench, gone. Um... Uh, oh, uh, Graham, Kevin Graham, gone as well. I mean, those three guys, position players that played every single day. Yeah, they did portal well for their they replacements. Did. The kid from Tulane who started rub salt in wounds, but he hit that uh, that walk off home run in the state series down in New Orleans. Um, him, the first baseman from Northwestern. So uh, they, they've got guys there to replace them, experienced guys at least. You're not depending on freshmen to step in and be ready. Again, I think it's going to be a really good Ole Miss baseball team. Are they the number four team in the country? I I got no idea. No idea. They do have a guy that is projected to possibly go 1-1 in the draft in Jacob Gonzalez at shortstop. We'll see. Huge year coming up for him. Schottenyake back at second base. McCants projected, I think, to start the season in left field. Kemp Alderman returns. Calvin Harris probably going to be your everyday catcher. But then some new pieces as well. We're, we're not ready to like go full-on baseball breakdown yet. Texas A&M is at five. I'm not going to go through. Uh, maybe we can later. I won't go through the whole poll. I'll give you the SEC teams. LSU 1, Tennessee 2, Ole Miss 4, Texas A&M 5. That's four of the top five. Four to seven. Arkansas 8, Vanderbilt 10. That is 7 of the top 10. 
Dwayne and Brandon said, is Ole Miss's high ranking in baseball going to end up like it did in football down from there? They literally just won the national championship. I don't know if you could take shots at the baseball team right now. It just doesn't really fit. Southern Miss preseason number 18. Alabama at 20. South Carolina at 23. That is nine of the top 25 from the Southeastern Conference. Mississippi State is not in the preseason top 25. How does that sit with you, hey Dad? I mean, based on based on last season, I don't really know how you put them in the top twenty-five to start this year. We'll talk about that when we come back. Mm-hmm. Obviously, injuries were a huge part of the Mississippi State story from a season ago. You wouldn't think that they would be that banged up again. Should Mississippi State have been in the preseason top twenty-five? We'll talk about that next. He might- Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888 8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. MSU will be as good as Ole Miss. Preseason poll worthless like football. Ole Miss respect for last year. Okay, but get real. What? There's a lot of uh words. There's a lot of a lot to unpack in that big run on sentence. Yeah. Will Mississippi State be as good as Ole Miss this year? Maybe. Does that mean Mississippi State will climb into the top five? Does that mean Ole Miss will fall outside the top 25? Does that mean that they'll meet somewhere in the teens and both be on that level? I I don't know. I don't know. Preseason polls are worthless just like football. Uh, Yeah, to a degree, although I would put a little more stock into the rankings that come from D1 Baseball because that's what those guys do all the time. Do you see they added an SEC-only offering? Smart move on their part. Yeah. I would imagine a majority they know their a majority of their traffic already comes from Yeah. That they would never reveal only. this. I would love to know after this season what the analytics are for their SEC only offering compared to everything else. Just means more and whatnot. It's a Venn diagram of two completely overlapping circles. <laughs> yeah. Um I guess the point that I'm making with regard to the preseason poll, does it mean anything? No, not really. I'm thankful for it. Content a month before the baseball season starts. Yeah, let's do that. But um, dismissing it the same way you do 60 college football writers scattered all across the country that are supposed to have an idea of what every team out there is going to be coming into the year, a little bit different than when you've got Kendall and Aaron Fitt, Eric Sorensen, and Kyle Peterson, and maybe a couple of others who 365 days a year focus on college baseball and visit the majority of the teams during the fall to see what they're going. I just think it's a little bit different. And then your old Miss respect for last year, okay, but get real. 
I mean, I'm assuming you're saying get real. You don't think they deserve to be preseason number four. You are fully and wholly entitled to that opinion. And maybe you'll be right. Or maybe you'll be wrong. Let's show your work, though. And and since he can't answer in depth, should or should Mississippi State not be ranked? If so, where? And if so, why? Hey, Dan. What do you think? I think it's interesting from D1's perspective because you know they rated State's freshman class, I think, number two in the nation, and they ranked the transfer portal class number four in the nation. So they think there's obviously an influx of talent to come in with what State brings back from with Luke Hancock and Hunter Hines and, and Kellum Clark and those guys. But I, I do think that – so I think that's ah, – you, know, you, you would think they could at least be 25th, 24th if you think the newcomers are that good. But at the same time, there's a lot of questions around this team, especially from a pitching perspective. You know, and I, if you, I, I talked to Teddy Cahill on today's Thunder and Lightning podcast. I also talked to Chris Lamonis today. That's also available on the podcast feed. And there's just questions about state at the rotation in the bullpen. A lot of new faces. They don't have a, a proven, uh, Friday night guy. You know, I think, can that be Cade Smith? I, I don't know the answer to that. Well, Will it be one of the new guys? Uh, it could be. So there's just so many questions about this team. I think from a hitting perspective, they should be pretty good. They've got some power bats in the lineup with, with Hines, with Clark, with Colton Ledbetter, the transfer. Uh, I feel like they'll be able to hit the ball well. But from a pitching perspective, I think they have more depth than they had a season ago, and that was a huge issue for them, uh, especially once you, the injuries started piling up. But you know, you got to see these guys do it. You got to got to see them go out there and, and compete against SEC bats, and we just haven't seen that yet. The, the The question that just came in was, what does Ole Miss return that makes them a top ten preseason program? Kind of went through that a second ago. I mean, middle of their infield defense. So you got Jacob Gonzalez, who is considered by many to be the best the number one shortstop in the country, and Peyton Chatagne at second base. And you're going to have Calvin Harris likely behind the plate, although he can do different things. You're probably moving T.J. McCants to left field. Isn't the thought that Ethan Groff, the transfer from Tulane, is going to play center? I, I, I think I think that's the thought. I think he's a center fielder, yeah. And then Kemp Alderman's probably going to be in right field. Um. I mean, on the mound, Josh Mallets is clearly a loss. Jackson Kimbrell comes in. Grayson Saunier is expected to be a weekend starter. Hunter Elliott is an All-American who's going to anchor your rotation. Um, Jack Doherty been pretty good in some pretty big moments. Garrett Wood was a role player a year ago that provided a spark in the postseason. Feels like Mason Nichols should make a pretty important jump. Man, he threw some important pitches in the College World Series a year ago. Man, there's a lot coming back. Sure, there are questions. Absolutely, there are questions. Bullpen depth. Closing it out at the end of the ball game because Brandon Johnson's gone, and it felt like Josh Mallett was going to slide right into that role, and you wouldn't miss a beat there. But who knows? 
There's a lot. So much time. Hey, now, what's... Are you ready to guess on what state's opening weekend rotation would be? Or, or did whew, did Chris Lamonis give you that? No. No, he didn't. Not at all. You know, he talked about a lot of different guys. I would be really surprised if Cade Smith didn't get the ball on the first Friday. To see, you know, he's the guy with the experience. Saturday, you could see the Memphis transfer, Landon Gartman. Uh, and then Sunday, maybe Parker Stinnett could, could pitch there. Um, or possibly one of the newcomers. It could end up being a guy who got the ball in the fall is, is the guy that everybody kind of wants to see, Gerangelo Sanjay, the, the both handed pitcher. Yes. Uh, could very well, you could very well see him, maybe in, maybe not as a starter, but you're going to see a good bit of him, uh, in the opening weekend, I think, because State wants to try to figure out what role he can play. Did you say the both-handed pitcher? Is that what we're, we're going with? I think, well, that's, I mean, if you look at State's roster, it lists him as BHP. <laughs> Heck yeah. What should we call him? Uh, my, my first thought is, uh, your first thought is call him amphibious. I was going to call him ambidextrous, but uh, put a K instead of ambidextrous with a K Ooh, like, like strikeout. I like that. Yeah. Mm. Well, his nickname is just Lou. So. Eh. That was my that was my favorite Stan Sandroniism of all time. Yeah, David, man, that guy can throw with his right hand. He can throw with his left hand. He's amphibious. Yes, he is, Stan. Yes, he is. It was great. Uh, hey, Dad, question. Does he have one glove, or does he drop one by the mail? <laughs> he he has one glove that he can flip around, and it, it for which hand he wants to throw with. Like a six-finger glove, almost, so that you can go thumb yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I guess I have, I need to, I'm going to try, try, if we ever get a media day, I want to have a look at it. Yeah. Mike, who is as big an Ole Miss baseball fan as we have that listens to this show, says not claiming a repeat or even a return to Omaha, but Ole Miss will be better. Will be a better team this season in all metrics. I mean, don't forget they were the last team in, so that's you know they won the national championship for sure. But the regular season they can improve a lot from the way they played last year. It's weird to say, but it's true. Yeah. Um. All the pressure is off Mike Bianco now. That's one thing that's the best thing. Shifts, bunts, different lineups, etc. Put time alone at shortstop, you know, go wild. <laughs> I don't know if that's the best plan or not. <laughs> Could you imagine seeing that that guy running out there and playing short? Put him on the mound once, just once. I would love to see... And wait until you're playing somebody that's got like a true freshman that's like five foot nine, one seventy five, and then you throw an SEC defensive tackle out there on the mound to pitch it to him. I would love to see that. Yeah, there are big baseball players, and then there is time alone. So we, we get, and and it's hard to do all of this on the uh, on the text. This was in response to the Mississippi State will be as good as Ole Miss, etc. And his rationale is Mississippi State beat Ole Miss last year. Ole Miss lost more than MSU. MSU was also top five last year. So, well, I mean, is that your argument for why preseason polls are worthless? 
He says, it's hard to discuss on text. You have advantage always. I got reasons. I may be wrong, but it ain't blind. All unproven. State had way more pitching last year. Top five don't have that many questions, new faces. Okay. I I don't think Mississippi State's going to finish last in the SEC this year. I I don't know what you want to hear from me. But I don't know what they're going to be. And frankly, neither do you. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Find them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel's got uh, an end-of-season sale going on on their website. Get up to 30% off select items. Also, new spring uh, apparel is coming in soon. Uh, early February, early to mid-February, the spring line is coming in. Great new looks in uh, golf shirts. Get some really cool stuff that is on the way. Check them out online at genteelapparel.com or at the men's specialty store near you that carries Genteel Apparel. Should we go back to Cowboys Bucks or should we talk a little recruiting? Let's go back to Cowboys Bucks because I don't think we did the Brady conversation justice. Uh, I mean, we could also talk about Dak too, I suppose. I know you state fans, if you're just joining us, want to hear more praise from your guy. He was exceptional last night. Friend of the program, David Hellman, called it the best he's ever played ever. Uh, was last night. So. High praise for the former Mississippi State quarterback. But since he's still going this year, and we got all week to talk about their game upcoming, what? Uh, David just didn't want to remember that game in Tiger Stadium. I I can guarantee that. (laughs) He didn't want to talk about that one. (laughs) Um, But the Brady thing's fascinating to me. Because... It doesn't sound like he's done, but did we see the GOAT play his final game? I mean, what are his options going to be? Because to your point earlier, I mean, that there's a little bit of juice left, but it's not a weekly thing. It's not even an all-game thing at, at this point. He showed flashes this season of, of his old self, but that's all they were. And in order for him to win at this point, you got to be basically perfect around him. Well, where is that that's looking for a quarterback? Vegas, they're not perfect. Not even not anywhere close. Who else is looking for a quarterback? Baltimore? Might be interesting. But I feel like they will go elsewhere because I haven't seen them pop up in the Brady sweepstakes. Who else needs a quarterback? Carolina? 
Think he's going to go to the Panthers in that situation? So how many options are there for him to continue his career at 46 years old, and will those people want him? It's a two-way street, right? Fascinated by this. Did it end last night? I wonder if it did. By the way, it's not like he stops getting paid if he stops playing football. He has a $37 million a year television contract at Fox waiting on him the second he hangs it up completely. $37 million for a guy that's never sat in a broadcast booth in his life on an NFL Sunday. His agent said, get me the Richard Cross package. Yes, yes he did. I wish my agent would say, get me that Richard Cross package as well. I don't have an agent. Maybe that's the first step. Maybe that's, <laughs> that's where I should need. begin. You should be represented by Borky and Haydad. We'll anyway. get you that. We'll get you what you deserve. Okay. Did you hear Morky talking you up earlier? I did. And then I'm the iron hand of negotiation. The iron sheik, if you will. Yes, Ben? Yes. There we go. Yes. <laughs> what do you make of the Brady thing, hey, Dad? What do you make of it? Where's he going? What's he going to do? I thought about that some this morning because I thought about the Saints, and I was like, yeah, would they, for one year, you know, just... To maybe they, but my thought with the Saints was they don't have a high draft choice to go ahead and take the quarterback of the future and let him sit a year and learn from Brady or do whatever, right? They, they don't have that. So the Saints doesn't make any sense to me. I do think he'll play another year, and I hope it's not a Joe Namath in L.A. or, or, or kind of situation. I hope I hope he can still be productive. I don't want to see Tom Brady struggling and throwing, you know, 18 touchdowns and 17 interceptions in a season. But I, I don't know where he's going to go. There's going to be some team out there. The Ra- you might mention the Raiders. That feels like a very Raiders kind of move, too. So that, that's something to watch. Baltimore, I, I think Baltimore is smart enough that even if they lose Lamar Jackson to, to, to shy away from that, they have a good young team. They just need to find another guy. I, I don't think he, they would go there. But the Raiders is interesting to me. Are we sure that it's not back with the Bucks? He's an un, I mean a completely it's not, unrestricted it's not free done, agent. Not. Yeah. So some of the NFL writers at ESPN took a shot at where they think he'll be next. Where would he want to play in 2023? Jeremy Fowler suggested the Raiders, Dan Graziano suggested the Dolphins. See, and why 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 would Miami want that? Because Tua can't stay healthy? If you bring Tom Brady in, it's not for him to be a backup. No, absolutely not. Jenna Lane, who is a Bucks reporter, suggests that the Buccaneers might be the right answer. Sal Palantonio says the Jets. There's some pieces on that Jets team. There are. Some talk about Todd Munkin going there. Jason Reed and Mike Tannenbaum both suggest the Raiders field Yates Buccaneers. I may end up staying in Tampa, but is that team good enough to win next year? I mean, 
I, I wonder too. I mean, I guess he's so uber competitive; it doesn't matter. But at, at what point, if you're him, do you want to say enough is enough on my body? You know, Father Tom catches up to everybody, even people like him. I mean, he—you said it earlier—he physically doesn't look well. Now, I, I, at 46, well, I, mean, I would love to a look... steak into the diet every now and then wouldn't right. be the end of the world. It, <laughs> that that avocado tequila that he's drinking or whatever. That's what my is. doctors told me. Is it now? Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady, he looks skinny now. Yeah, unhealthy. Well, I'm not going to say all, yeah, it's almost healthy. Like... For him. Well, like in the face, though, he looks looks gaunt. Yeah. He's as thin as a promise. <laughs> he, he looks like a side character in The Last of Us. Great pilot, by the way. <laughs> he looks like the third boss in Silent Hill. What's going on here? But, man, I, somebody on the text line said Saints. I, I'm a hard no on that. I, I, I don't nah, I think that, no. that he can do what you need to do at this point. I, I mean, especially when you've got other guys out there like Carr and Jimmy G. And I would hope the Saints are smart enough to try to get Lamar Jackson to listen because that's going to be a possibility. So Lucas and Union says, I'll offer two, Niners and Panthers. Well, help me understand why those make sense. First of all, the Niners, I think, feel pretty good about where they are, right? They've got Trey Lance, who got hurt before the season even got going. Feels like it's safe to assume that Jimmy Garoppolo won't be back, but, I mean, every time we assume that, he ends up back in a Niners uniform. And this Brock Purdy kid's got a little something. Like, I'm not even sure that Trey Lance can start for them next year if Purdy... Wins another game or two in the playoffs. Let him beat the Cowboys good. and tell me that he's not starting next year. So yeah. that strikes me as probably not. And then the Panthers, Lucas, they're terrible on the offensive line. You you need the steel curtain to be hanging in front of Tom Brady on your offensive line for him to have a chance to be successful. Um, Hunter in Columbus says, y'all never talk about Dak or Dallas, so don't act like you got all week to talk about it because y'all won't unless you preview the game on Friday. If you do talk about them, you try to make it out like he isn't very good or something. Richard said yesterday that Dallas played really well while Dak was out and acts like they haven't played as good since he got back. The offense was toward the bottom of the league when he was out. It's the top of the league since he came back. You know what they did when he was out? Hunter, they won. And one and one and one and one. There you go. Five and one in the games that he was out. Hunter, you're hearing what you want to hear, though, if you think I've been down on Dak Prescott. We just had a conversation yesterday about if Dallas doesn't win last night, which they did, where should the conversation center? Should it center around Mike McCarthy? Or should it center around Dak? There's a lot of good on that Cowboys roster. A lot of good. But they lost an offensive lineman in the game, and they plugged in and didn't miss a beat last night. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll continue right after this. Mm-hmm. 
to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. All right, so this matchup coming up on Saturday or Sunday? Cowboys 49ers. It's Sunday, right? Yeah, it's Sunday. It's a late game on Sunday. 49ers, I think, are the more complete team. San Francisco is a three and a half point favorite at home, which tells you neutral field. This is basically a pick'em. Is this scale of one to ten your level of excitement for that game on Sunday? Cowboys, 49ers. Scale of 1 to 10. Nine. 1 being not even watching and 10 being I'm already counting down the minutes. Locked in 9. I mean, I'm. it's it's not a conference championship game or the Super Bowl, so it can't be a 10 for me, but for a divisional round, this is as excited for a game as I can be, man. Okay. I mean, for me, and you know, with the, my relationship with the NFL, to say I'm at a 6 or 7, I'm, that, that's pretty darned excited for me. I, I will watch this game for sure. I mean, those those weapons, I mean, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and Dak and uh, the, the Cowboys duo of running backs and CeeDee Lamb, I mean, you, you have got a possibility. Despite both having really good defenses and pass rushes and all that, there's a chance for fireworks. I mean, Geno and, and DK, now there's no DK on Dallas, had some success against that 49ers defense. So th- there's a real chance for fireworks in this game. Yeah. Like 38, 35, something Ooh. like that. That kind of a – I hope so anyway. But the 49ers really haven't given that up. No. I mean, so if you say 38, 35, you're going way outside the norm. I'll just give you the entire season. They gave up n- – <laughs> The 49ers lost to the Bears in the season opener. Remember it was rainy in that game? Yes. They gave up 19 in a loss to the Bears. And the Seven field was a win. mess, right, because of Elton John? Isn't that what it was? They had an Elton John concert, destroyed the field, then it rained like crazy. <laughs> if they hadn't laid that yellow brick road right down through the middle of the field, it would have been okay. Just, <laughs> yeah, that just that messed everything up. Um, the 49ers lost two of their first three games this season. 19 to 10 to the Bears, and the Bears were awful. They beat the Seahawks, and then they lost 11 to 10 to the Broncos in week three. I remember that, yeah. And then they beat the Rams, and they beat the Panthers. And then they lost in back to back weeks to the Falcons, 28 14 on the road, and at home to the Chiefs, 44 23, and they haven't lost since. 
haven't lost since. 11 straight wins. You know, they, they did give up 34 to the Raiders. You may be on to something, Borky. This, this may be shootout. We can all hope so, right? Oh, yeah. What, then, I, I, I'm trying to think of what the difference is. What is going to be the difference in the game? And not just like which team turns the ball over more. Well, that's usually the difference in most games, except for apparently in Jacksonville. But you keep, you keep doubting Brock Purdy, and, and yet he keeps stepping up to the plate. But is this different than last week? Certainly a better defensive front that he's going to see. And he struggled early last week. He kind of he stunk early and then settled in and played great. But is he the difference? An experienced young quarterback on an elevated stage, is, is that what it is? What's the difference here? Maybe it's weapons. San Francisco has more of them than, than Dallas does. They're, they're better at the skill spots. Yeah, CeeDee Lamb is good. The tight end for Dallas is really good. And maybe favorite target of Dak Prescott? Well, everybody Are, told him he was going to be a tight end, so he, you know, he sympathizes. <laughs> are, um, are we at the point where we are ready to say that Tony Pollard is just better than Zeke Elliott? Yeah. You have to, yeah. I mean, it's just, you can't watch them play and not think that he's better. Man, I remember listening to this show called Sports Talk Mississippi, and there was a guy on there. I think his name was was Borkley or something. I don't know. That uh, Borkay. Uh, yeah, I heard that day. Borkay. We we pay homage to him after watching Tony Pollard in the preseason. Said that Dallas, his first year, said that Dallas should trade Zeke because they've got somebody better. It's a good show. I should listen to it more. I hear it's on from three to six Monday through Friday on Super Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock hour coming up. College football fix is next. Those of you that are headed to Ole Miss and South Carolina basketball, enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Everybody else. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. What's that, Borky? Justin Moore. There we go. And I, I don't, I don't particularly Big Arkansas like guy, right? Is he? I don't know. But um, I did get dragged to a Justin Moore show once when I was in college. Don't, don't have girlfriends in college. Just some free advice. But. Um, <laughs> Didn't want to go. In hindsight, didn't uh, never wanted to go. But I, I took your advice unintentionally for the most part in college. But um, no, nah, man, he was he was entertaining. I mean, just pulled a walked on stage with a fifth of whiskey, turned up, drank half of it, and then put the cat back on and tossed the bottle into the crowd and started playing his opening song. He was something. Yeah, he's a uh, he's from Arkansas and. 
He is a big Arkansas Razorbacks fan. I wonder if he, he likes participation ring. trophies just like the baseball team does. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Good to be with you this afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, they have got tons happening. Whether you're looking for fine dining, great gaming, sports book at the Golden Moon Casino, world-class golf, a water park in the summertime, you can find out all of the information about everything that's happening at Pearl River Resort on their website, pearlriverresort.com. Going to be a part of the conversation. Love for you to join us on the ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Again, 601 879 4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world class IT professionals that live where you do, and that's right here in Ceasefire Country. Check them out online at ceasefire.com slash business. Let's get to it right now the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. That's where you can go to test drive a Ford F-150. 45 straight years, F-Series from Ford, has been the best-selling truck in America. 2023 is arriving, and there's some good deals to be had on those. 0% financing for 36 months, plus $1,000 customer cash, plus $1,000 retail order bonus cash. You can take advantage of those offers at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So, um, unless it has happened and I have missed it during the show, we are still on Walker Howard watch as it pertains to Ole Miss. But almost everybody that is covering this story and some people that are not that have other information, I had somebody tell me earlier today, that would have known that Walker Howard was on his way back to Oxford. And it sounds as if Walker Howard to Ole Miss is going to be a thing that is done. There's an interesting wrinkle to the quarterback recruiting through the portal story. Neil McCready reported earlier today that it appeared as if not only Walker Howard was done, but also... Spencer Sanders, the transfer from Oklahoma State, was going to end up at Ole Miss as well. Now, again, until that stuff is official, it's not official. Kind of crazy to think, though, that Ole Miss's quarterback room could go from just Jackson Dart on scholarship to a Jackson Dart as a returning starter plus Spencer Sanders, who was a multi-year starter at Oklahoma State and a former five-star high school recruit in Walker Howard, who is transferring in after redshirting this year at LSU. Walker Howard makes a ton of sense, obviously. It's basically like signing a high school player. That would be a big pickup. Uh, Spencer Sanders makes sense to me from Old Miss's side. Uh, having two scholarship quarterbacks in your room is not a good situation. You, you would prefer to have more than that. And if you can get somebody with four years of starting experience, then you do that. Now, I've had people say things like, well, it could destroy the locker room. Well, if bringing in players destroys your locker room, then you got a really fragile locker room culture anyway, and it, it was going to be destructed with or without the addition of Spencer Sanders. But why on earth would Spencer Sanders want to go to Ole Miss at this point? That, that's what I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around, is why would you want to go there? 
because he has one year of eligibility left. He has started four years in college, and he's been good. Not great, but he's been good. But coming into a place and unseating an incumbent starter who played better than you last year, younger, years younger, in a much more difficult conference, why would you do that with your final year of eligibility? That's that's what I can't wrap my mind around. I, and look, if, if you're Ole Miss if, and he comes in and he beats out Jackson Dart, great. But I've watched a good bit of Spencer Sanders, not every game, but a lot of it. There's nothing about his game that tells me he's going to come in and take over for Jackson Dart. Nothing that tells me he's going to. Maybe Lane Kiffin sees it otherwise. But when, when you've got seemingly opportunities to go start somewhere with your last year, why wouldn't you take those as opposed to going Ole Miss and probably not starting there? I don't get it. Is is Ole Miss not sold on Dart? Is that what they're telling Sanders? No, I wouldn't think that possible they would tell that him you, that. you do this I would... and... I would think that. Well, I mean, you know, you just tell them that you have a real chance to compete for the starting job. But I mean, I would, I would say that that's sort of the same situation, Mississippi State. You could say that, but who, who would believe you? So, I mean, what are the, what are they telling him? I mean, it, because it's the same situation again. If if Sanders comes in and wins the job, I don't see Dart hanging around, especially with Howard there. So, I mean, that's just a weird situation. Which Dart doesn't at least as the rules are written right now, have the ability to have that free transfer where he doesn't have to sit out. I mean, we say that, and JT Daniels is at his fourth college, so I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty sure he'd get there if he wanted to get out. Perhaps. I don't think that's necessarily the message that Ole Miss is sending. I think Ole Miss is sending the message that, hey, we've got to have depth in the quarterback room. We've got one scholarship quarterback who is one play away from not being able to play because that is the nature of college football. We're not promising you anything, but we will promise you that you'll have a chance to compete. And if you believe I get in yourself that, but, uh, and you San- want to take a shot at a SEC job, then maybe you think you are good enough to beat him out. But everything that Michael Borky said on the surface makes sense, right? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it, doesn't. it makes sense, but it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't yeah. add up at all. I, I, I'm flabbergasted by this situation. And, I mean, there's a chance, but if, if you're Sanders, maybe you don't like your options at the moment. He goes through spring, doesn't win the job, and he can hit the portal again because he has graduated. So he can use his one-time penalty-free transfer, graduate in the spring in May, and hit the portal again and get around those rules. Maybe that's something he's considering. I've heard, and I don't know how much of this I believe, but I, I heard through... Mo- that that he's not like he he's already preparing for the next stage after football wants to get into coaching and so maybe he sees this as an opportunity to play if he can but if not can kind of start working towards establishing his life after football but that doesn't make any sense none of this makes any sense from his perspective I don't get it and also from an NIL perspective these are two pretty big targets you got to figure that they're going to get decent deals I mean. Yeah. That's a lot of, of, of money to put into because you know, I mean I assume Dart got money too. That's a lot of money in your in your QB room, you know, for just three guys. Sure. 
Um, there is another piece of news as it pertains to uh, Ole Miss. Uh, Wesley, West Neighbors, is coming in as a safeties or secondary coach. Most recently at Maryland, he was on staff at FAU with Lane Kiffin, former walk-on at Alabama. His brother played at LSU. His dad and his grandfather played at Alabama as well. I actually got that message at like 8 o'clock last night. It was like, hey, here's something for your show uh, tomorrow. You can break the news there. And then I saw middle of the morning that um, <laughs> that it was out there as, uh, as well. Um, so a guy that has worked with Pete Golding, or has been around Pete Golding worked before. Worked with Lane Kiffin at FAU. And worked with Lane Kiffin at FAU. And may was he at Alabama at the time that Lane was there as well? He was at Alabama, I know, for five championships as a player and or assistant. So he and Lane crossed paths there as well, I assume. And Maryland has uh, removed him from... You get the old 404 message. When you uh, when you go to the uh, Maryland page, so coaching staff starting to round itself out a bit for uh, for Ole Miss as well with Pete Golding coming in as the defensive coordinator and now West Neighbors uh, being added to the staff as uh, as well on that defensive side of the ball. I feel like this was the case this year, and I feel like it's going to be the case again next year when you go to an Ole Miss game, and Ole Miss is not. An exception here. You're kind of going to need a, a program or a flip card to know who all the players are and to know who the coaches are. Because, I mean, obviously you're going to know what who Pete Golding is and what he looks like, but with some of the new guys coming in, it looks a little bit different each year. We'll be back. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple Eight Eight Zero Eight Eight Six Three Seven on Super Talk Mississippi. Throughout the uh, course of the season, it's um, it's pretty good, right? I mean, they 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 turn those video vignettes around quickly, and they're topical each week, and they're not like like side stitch funny, but they're they're cute, they're funny, they make you chuckle. Some weeks are better than others. They did a uh, an end of the year version. And if you stuck with it all the way to the end, kind of got you at the end. It was SEC teams getting their final season report cards. They went through the entire league, and you know A and M got D's across the board, and they quizzed Florida about thirteen million dollars in NIL money, and LSU got high marks and got to reach into the prize bin, and um, Ole Miss. They showed that uh, Ole Miss had filled out its own report card, but it wasn't a season report card. He had marked it out and through the first seven games, they got all A's through the first seven games. And I had fun with all the different storylines. Then they get to the very end, and they show the teacher sitting there doing the teacher-student conference with the Mississippi State player, coach, whatever character he's supposed to be representing Mississippi State. He's sitting there in a Mississippi State jersey. And she just looks at him, and she stands up and hugs him. And the screen goes to black, and it says, In loving memory of Mike Leach. 
it was if you haven't if you haven't seen it, it's worth the watch. Pretty good stuff all the way around. Did you guys see that? Did you watch yeah. that? And that one and the uh, the SEC roll call video as well both had a tribute uh, to Mike Leach. I don't care to feel feelings, but uh, there you go. They made, made me do it. Made made you feel some feelings along the way. Yeah, I don't I don't like that. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Borky, Kelso and Ocean Springs says, I saw James Madison was in the ESPN preseason top 25. Have you guys seen them anywhere else? I think it might be a little generous. They've got a transfer quarterback coming in from Arizona who hasn't played a ton of college football. I'm going to have to go to Borky for my James Madison update. Oh, I don't know. I don't know much about the Dukes right now either. No, they were good last year, though. They were. There's a chance that we see the elimination down the road of the FCS. Been reading about that a little bit lately. That that the the middle between Division One and Division Two, the FCS, might go opposite way. So the teams that think that they can move up into the FBS will do so, and everybody else will be absorbed into Division Two, and it'll go down like that because. Yeah, there are gaps separating in college football, obviously. And things like attendance and stuff is is really hurting schools like the Furman that I talk about a lot. Um, but also, when, when these conferences and these TV deals start churning out uh, demands to have fewer and fewer non-conference games, there's going to be less and less money. And so in order to... You know, allow them to, to continue to have football programs. Some of them might decide, well, we can't go up. Furman's a great example. Furman can't play Division One FBS football. Can't do it. Never will. School's too small, too expensive. Fan base is tiny. Can't do it. So it would make sense for them to, to go down to Division Two, so they can keep a program if they're not going to get a bye game every year down the road which is a possibility. So there's a chance that the landscape of college football changes at that middle level where Division II becomes stronger with, with better teams and bigger brands and stuff. And schools like Kennesaw State, who's making the jump up, those North Dakota State, those places move up, and FCS goes away. There's a chance that happens. Yeah. Um. Man, there's so much uncertainty in the future of yeah. the landscape of college football. It, it 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 can't stay exactly like it is right now. I don't think. I don't think it's sustainable. And and I don't mean that like the SEC or the Big Ten is not sustainable, right? They're going to be just fine. There, there, there's plenty of money coming in, and they'll adapt to whatever happens. But when you look at the gap, I mean, good grief! Look at the gap between. Texas, in terms of revenue, and Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I mean, you got Texas at like $230 million in terms of its athletic department budget. I think Ole Miss is at $130, $140. Mississippi State's at like $115 or so, $120 maybe. I don't know what the exact numbers are currently, but that's in the ballpark. And by the way, those two numbers for Mississippi State for Ole Miss were unfathomable 10 years ago. The idea of a $100 million budget for your athletics department. And yet here we are, and yet it's still half, basically, of what a Texas 
is. But when you think about the disparity between a place like Texas and Mississippi State, think then about the disparity between Mississippi State and Southern Miss, between Ole Miss and Marshall, Arkansas State, even a Memphis. It's just not even close. And I'm a little more impressed, I think, every day, just using Southern Miss as an example, to see what they're able to accomplish with what with the resources that they have available, right? I mean, you're talking about a, a $25 million athletics budget at Southern Miss in comparison in-state to two schools that have well over a $100 million budget. So you're talking about like 20% of the budget that Ole Miss Mississippi State have and... What is that? Ten percent of Texas's budget? That's what Southern Miss is operating on. But think about it, so somebody mentions or no, I, I thought that's what it was. Think about Tulane. Think about what Tulane did this year. They went and played and won in the Cotton Bowl. Tulane's budget is a fraction of the schools in the SEC. And so Borky, we're we're talking about like kind of middle of the road in terms of budget. So what about the schools like you mentioned a second ago, like a Furman? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how you keep everybody the same because it's it's a different game. You, you, the answer is you can't. You, you simply can't. Um. I would love to see the Paladins on Mississippi College's future schedule, though. That'd be cool. If it, if it ended up going down that road, that would, that'd be sick. But um, what we do know, though, is that the top of it's not going to change, at least not change much, right? Because the demand is so high. That, that's the kind of beauty of when when we've had those conversations in the off-seasons here, so more of them are going to come about the future of the football uh, of college football, and people are talking about how it's in dire straits and stuff like that, and it, it will always sustain because the demand is so high for it. They're always going to find ways to provide the product because college football is the second most popular sport in this country by a wide, wide margin. The College Football National Championship was terribly rated, right? Did awful in the ratings. Awful. Got beat by the semifinal games. College Football Playoff National Championship, that blowout, that a billion to three blowout, drew more people than every NBA Finals game, every World Series game. And it was a bad college football rating. The demand's always going to be there. So the top of college football, there might be moving parts and stuff, but if you're at the top of college football, the product's always going to be there. It's always going to exist because it makes too much money for it not to exist. It's that simple. Hey, Dad, any uh, any update on Tulu Griffin? You hearing anything on that front? Nothing new from what we talked about yesterday. Still leaning towards returning to Mississippi State more than anything else, but still up in the air, has not removed his name from the transfer portal. Do you get the impression that he's fielding offers, he's getting offers from other places, and then just trying to kind of weigh those? I'm, I'm sure that he is. I'm sure that he is. 
Um, but he's also hearing a lot from Mississippi State and, and hearing from current players and coaches uh, trying to get him back on board. So a lot, a lot happening, and uh, we'll see. You know, you know, classes started today here in Starkville, so we will see uh, how quickly that gets resolved. I guess it's sort of the same thing we had with Jackson Dart a year ago. He's got till the last ad drop date, so could have some more drama. You don't know. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi got half an hour left with you. Some of you uh, leaving for Mississippi State basketball pregame as that gets uh, started. You got Mississippi State and Tennessee. Hey, Dan, are, are you bailing on us? You, you headed to the hump? Yeah, I'm gonna bail for you. I'll head to the hump. Well, I mean, you could wait till we get to the commercial break before you like start throwing stuff away. Well, now Run. I'm leaving now. How about that? Run! I'm out of here, Cross. Brian, hey, you Dad, can't we'll, stop uh, me neither. He will rejoin us tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock. We got half an hour left with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Be right back. Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. have a new kicker this week? No. McCarthy said they're uh, sticking with him. He's a good kicker. Last night was just weird. Yeah, he had, uh, going into the game last night, had attempted 53 extra points on the season and had made 50. So he was 50 of 53, and then he missed four last night? Four. Three. Four. And then he made the last one. I mean, the, it was a weird score, right? It was six nothing, and then twelve nothing, and then eighteen nothing, and then twenty four nothing, and then they scored the final touchdown, and he kicked the extra point to make it thirty one nothing. Well, it was thirty one, I guess seven and thirty one fourteen at the end. A weird game. Four missed extra points. Mike said earlier on the ceasefire text line that one of the best decisions that. The NFL has made in recent years is moving the extra point back. Borky, can you imagine if they decided to push the extra point back in college to the distance that NFL kickers have to kick it? Lane Kiffin would never kick one. And a you, lot of coaches that wouldn't. Oh, probably not. That would you like that if they did that? Uh, I think so. I would like it. I would. Because if you're going to allow somebody to put points on the board, they've got to earn it at least a little, don't they? I mean, right now you spot it at the three, kick it from the 10, 20-yard extra point, and guys aren't perfect. 
You push that thing to back back to where it's a thirty-three yard field uh, extra point attempt. Yeah, you would have a lot of misses in college, and it would change games. Absolutely, it would change games. I, I feel like if you're gonna, if you're going to give somebody a point on the board, you got to let them. You got to make them earn it. I, I I like what it's done to the NFL because it, it it's it's causing coaches to have more analytically driven decisions. I mean, you saw it in the Jacksonville game. Now, it was aided by getting a penalty because Bosa is an absolute head case and a lunatic. But Good player, but... It allows coaches to think, now I should go for two because the extra point's not given anymore. When coaches are down in the NFL, when coaches are down 14 and they score a touchdown, they don't kick an extra point. Why? Because, generally speaking, you get a two-point conversion 50% of the time. And those two extra points are not a given. So they go for two because if they get it on the first try, that extra point wins the game if they go yep. score again. So, so those kind of decisions are happening in the NFL, causing more exciting plays. That would do that to college, too. Some college coaches are too scared to go for two, like terrified. But we'd get more of it. Yeah. You'd get a lot more of it if it was a 33-yard extra point. So you got four games that are set for this weekend in the division round. What's the best game? Jags at Kansas City, Giants at Eagles, Bengals at Bills, Cowboys at 49ers. What is the best of those four games? Bengals, Bills, for so many reasons. Is that better than Cowboys, Niners? Probably. Possibly. Is Giants, Eagles sneaky good? I, I wonder what Philly's going to look like. Not only because they had a bye week, but Jalen Hurts has been out for a while, and he's a professional and all that. I get it, but yeah. Well, what happens if he's he's not snap your fingers back ready to go? Absolutely no one would tell you that Jags Chiefs is the best or is the best of those games. Nobody's going to say that, and nobody is giving Jacksonville a shot in this game, including me. And maybe that means everybody's right, but when everybody's on the same side, Borky, sometimes weird stuff happens. Kansas City is an eight and a half point favorite in that game. And, and that's probably the right number. So Kansas City favored by eight and a half. Total in that game is 53. Philadelphia is a seven and a half point favorite against the Giants. That feels high. That, that feels really high. I, I mean, I guess they're at home and, and they're healthy now and all that, but man, does that feel high. Two meetings this year between the Giants and the Eagles. The Eagles won. The first meeting, 48-22. That was in Philadelphia. Uh, that was in New York. And then they won in the regular season finale, 22-16, without Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Playoffs are you different. Know, you know what they say, Borky. It's hard to beat a team. It's hard to beat a team three times in the same year. I'll never forget the research I did on that. I, I am remembering old segments yesterday about the quarterbacks, today about the time when... We, we did a deep dive on that concept, and I forget what, I think it was baseball. 
I think it was a baseball series where it was, where, but in football, that it's hard to beat a team three times in the same season. It's just not true. The team that won the first two games wins the third game like eighty percent of the time. I mean, it's it's not it's not like that. There's a reason you won the first two games because you were better than them. And so anyway, but I remember that segment. It was that that's an old adage that just doesn't hold up under scrutiny. That team actually wins game three more often than not. Buffalo is a five-point favorite at home against the Bengals. That's the early game on Sunday, but uh, it doesn't kick till 2 o'clock Central Time. And then at uh, 5.30 on Fox, the 49ers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Cowboys. It's it's everything we want, right? It's electric environments. I mean, you you've got Philly, you've got Arrowhead, you've got Buffalo, and I mean, it, and it's not like the 49ers are slouches either. I, I don't think the stadium allows that place to be as loud as it could be. But I mean, what what more could you ask for right now? That's a pretty good environment last week. Yeah, it was at home for the Niners. That's the most expensive ticket of the weekend. Get in the door price for Cowboys Niners on Sunday afternoon is $432. So a tank of gas in California. Next most expensive, Giants Eagles at 275, then it's Bengals Bills at 172, and uh, you can get in and sit up top in uh, Kansas City for $142. Pretty expensive ticket all the way around this weekend. Uh, we have gotten to the point, I've heard a lot of people say this and they're right, we've gotten to the point where we've stopped appreciating Patrick Mahomes. Okay. And and what I mean by that is he is so special all the time and the things he does is so unique that it's normal and and like it, it doesn't get hyped up the way it should anymore. Because it's just, well, that's Patrick Mahomes. It's what he does. But it's almost like every week he does something that nobody else in the league can do. And it's just, yeah, that's him. It's Patrick Mahomes. And we get lost in that and and not appreciating. I mean, there's been great quarterbacks in my lifetime. I can't do the all-time thing because I haven't seen them all. But he is the most, I'll use this word, unbelievable quarterback that, that I've seen with what he does and how he does it and the risks he takes, but they're not risks because it's just him and the creativity and everything that comes with it. I I haven't seen better than him. What was it, regular season finale where he's rolling to his left and everything is flowing that direction and he has a receiver underneath and it's not even like an option pitch. It's like this like push pass back the other way right into the gut of his guy. And it's it, that's weekly, it's just still, all the time. And the the arm strength is otherworldly because he'll do those things where like he's rolling out to his left and just like a little flick and it'll go like forty five yards. And it's how, how do you generate that much power to throw the ball like that accurately and on time? He's yeah. one of the few quarterbacks where you could put him in any any place in the league and they'd be winning. He's got a great oh. coach and weapons and all that. He'd be winning ev- at every single place in the NFL. He's that special. And he can play different styles, right? Yeah. I mean, if he, you need him to be a drop-back passer, he can do that. If he needs to improv with his feet, he can do that. doesn't run it a lot, but he runs it when he needs to, and he's certainly effective when he does that. He, he's a big 
go get seven yards and you're running on a straight line to the first down marker and you you step out of bounds as you cross the first down marker and don't take a hit guy. Yep. He does that two or three times a game. And then does that awkward walk back to the huddle like he has not a single athletic bone in his body. It doesn't make sense. But between snaps, not real athletic. But (laughs) once the ball is snapped, he is otherworldly. Sports Talk Mississippi will wrap it up with you coming up next. Ole Miss leading 16-14 over South Carolina. That is with 11.57 to go in the first half. Both teams, surprisingly, shooting it well out of the gate. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, Borky. Mike is offering gambling advice. He says bet the over in all four playoff games this weekend. 53 in the Jags in Kansas City, 48 in the Giants-Eagles, 48 in the Bengals-Bills, and 46.5 in the Cowboys-49ers. You have an issue with that? None. Overs are fun. Especially when they win. (laughs) That's when overs really are fun. Uh, Ole Miss leading 18-15 over South Carolina. About nine minutes to go in the uh, in the first half. You get Mississippi State and Tennessee step, uh, set to tip off in about ten minutes. Bulldogs hosting the Tennessee Vols. They are playing for the second time this season. Tennessee's a six-point favorite. That was Mississippi State's second SEC game. It was on the road, and Tennessee won that game by 34, 87-53. And they jumped out to, what, a 16-0 lead, 18-0 lead to start the game? So a combined, what, 140 points scored in that game when those two teams met the first time? The total in this one tonight is 124.5. I don't know what that means. Nothing. <laughs> hey, hey, Dad would tell you play the under. Play the under for Mississippi State every single time. Alabama and Vandy coming up later tonight. That's at seven thirty on the SEC Network, and then at eight you got Georgia and Kentucky. I do. Saw Nate Oates tweet a picture of a hard hat with the Alabama logo on it, and said blue collar basketball or something like that. And I thought that's their thing. It's their thing, but that's not their offensive style. It's not a bad thing. It's not a negative. It's just you do not play blue-collar offense. You play modern, millennial, avocado toast offense. It works, but that's what you do. Okay, avocado toast being fancy and fun, whereas milk toast would be, like, old and boring. Right, yeah. I, okay. I like, I, I you know. You an mom, avocado toast guy? I like it, yeah. With a little bacon on it? Yeah. Jane and Ava Montgomery love it. Not really my. 
And it's not that I have anything against avocado toast, per se. It's just about 99% of the time there's something on the menu I'm more interested in than avocado toast. Right? Yeah. I mean, if I go somewhere where they're serving that for breakfast, odds are that there's bacon or eggs or bacon and eggs, maybe pancakes, maybe waffles, maybe some... Like, we went to brunch Sunday after church, and I got the, uh, oh, what was it? The the fancy grits. It was grits with a fried egg on it and pork belly on top of that. Ooh. It was really good. It's not called grits. It's something else. I can't remember what it was. It starts with a P? I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, sounds great, though. Yeah, it avo- if it's just, if you're going to a restaurant and paying twelve bucks for toasted bread and avocados, it's like uh, yeah. I get it. But what if they're going to put eggs on it and, and bacon and really fancy it up? I've had avocado toast with tuna, like stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm all in. And that's the Alabama offense. It's it's very analytically driven, and also they've got a, a superstar. But shoot a lot of threes, get layups. It's fun. It's fast. Move the ball with purpose. Dwayne's sticking with us to the end. He said, long as Bloody Mary's involved, he's in. I respect that. that. There you go, Dwayne. Dwayne also asked if Haydad bailed for basketball. Yeah, he was headed to the hump for uh, Mississippi State and Tennessee, which gets started in uh, in just a few minutes. All right, Borky, I'm going to let you make a prediction as we, we wrap up. Got some really good receivers in this next round of Playoff games, right? Yeah. What wide receiver will have the biggest divisional round playoff performance? Not a homer pick. I think it's true. A.J. Brown. You think A.J. Brown is the answer? Mm-hmm. I do. I I, I, I mean, the Giants did a really good job at shutting Jefferson down, though. Uh, but the, the, the way they use A.J. Brown in that offense, it, it's... Yeah, especially with a week off. I expect him to have the biggest day. I think Jacksonville's equipped to kind of keep Kansas City in check, sort of, and they spread the ball around a little bit more. Philly's going to go as A.J. goes. Jamar Chase would be an option, perhaps, with the Bengals. Yeah, and Buffalo, I mean, it was Skylar Thompson, and his numbers don't look great, but they were a little susceptible in the back end. Debo Samuel? See, I think they spread it around too much. They, they, I don't know. The Philly's more dependent on AJ than San Francisco is Debo. They they targeted him nine times. He had yeah. six catches for 133 yards. Did have that long one though. There was that. Thanks for being with us. You got plenty of hoops to uh, soak in tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Be sure to get to some college baseball. Now that's Michael Borky's favorite thing this time of year. We'll uh, be sure to have that for you tomorrow as well. I'll be in Jackson tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night. Oh, it's incredible! 
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.